Matthew 7, 13 to 29. Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit you will recognise them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit, you will recognise them. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who builds his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall, because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching, because he taught as one who had authority, and not as their teachers of the law. Often when people talk about Jesus today, they'll talk about him being a great moral teacher. That seems to be a pretty universal consensus. People seem to agree that Jesus fits into that great moral teacher category. Uh, Put him into the same category as the Buddha or Aristotle or Confucius or maybe even some of the modern day great moral teachers like Gandhi or the Dalai Lama. People seem to recognise that Jesus had said some pretty profound things some good tips on how you could live your life. And Jesus' teaching is often viewed just as that, some tips for living your life. Given the impression that Jesus has kind of just given us a bunch of ideas, try them out, see if there's anything in here that works for you. If not, well, there's nothing lost. But you don't have to look too closely at the things that Jesus said to realise that Jesus didn't come with a few self-improvement tips. He didn't come to tweak your life to just make it run that little bit better. Jesus came with a kind of, not with a kind of take it or leave it message. Jesus came presenting a radical choice to be made. Follow him or you're destined for destruction. And the choice that Jesus presents for us is pretty clearly spelled out in this passage that we're looking at this morning. We've come to the end of the Sermon on the Mount. It began back at the beginning of chapter 5. Jesus stood up on a mountain and preached to his disciples and to the people who had gathered around to hear what he had to say. Well, now, as a conclusion to all of that, he says there's a choice to be made. And he gives it in three illustrations in this closing section. 
Choose the road, choose the tree, and choose the house. They're the three choices. So the first one's there in Matthew chapter 7, verse number 13. Which road are you going to travel? Verse 13 says, Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. Two roads to choose from. But it's not an altogether simple choice. The decision is complicated because one of them will in fact be easier to travel along. The gate to get onto it's going to be wider and the road itself will be an easier one to travel. And to cap it off, that'll be the one that most people are travelling along. There'll be a strong motivation to go that way simply because that is the road that everybody else seems to be taking. But I suppose it goes without saying, doesn't it? You don't choose a road by what the road is like. You choose a road not by the number of people that are travelling on it. You choose the road because of the destination. You choose the road because of where that road will take you. If I need to get to Dremoyne after church today, I'm not going to go over the Anzac Bridge, am I? It won't take me anywhere near Dremoyne. It takes me in completely the opposite direction. Sure, it's a much nicer looking bridge than the Iron Cove Bridge. There are more lanes on this bridge and I guarantee there'll be more traffic on that bridge as well. But they're not the basis for making the decision. The destination is the basis for making the decision. I decide which road I will travel because of where that road will take me. And Jesus says there's one road that leads to destruction and there is one road that leads to life. Now, when he puts it like that, I mean, it's a no-brainer choice, isn't it? I mean, of course you're going to choose life. You're not going to choose destruction, are you? But the point that Jesus is making is that that's not always the basis for making the decision. People don't always choose the road by the destination. They'll often pick the one that has the widest gate. They'll often pick the one that has the easiest road. They'll often pick the one that most people are travelling. And what Jesus is saying is that people don't often make the choice in light of eternity. They'll often make the choice in light of the immediate here and now. They'll make a short-term decision because that road will be easier, more comfortable. That road will be the one that most people will be travelling. But there's one more important detail in this little opening illustration. There are only two paths. There are only two roads. There are only two destinations. And if you're not on the right one, well, Jesus says you're on the wrong one. If you're on the right one, then that leads to life. But Jesus says you you need to be aware that it may not always be easy. It may be a narrow road and it may be a lonely road. But there's the first choice. Which road? Choose a road. Second choice comes in verse number 15 and it is which tree? Now, what Jesus is talking about here is the teachers, the people who are going to influence you in your, in your life, the voices that you will listen to, the people that you will trust. He says this, verse 15, watch out for false prophets, for they come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they're ferocious wolves. 
By their fruit you will recognise them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good, tree, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit, you will recognise them. I think one of the, the, the slightly depressing things about this verse or these verses is that this is even before the church has really been established and Jesus is giving a warning that there will be false teachers, people who will infiltrate the Christian church and try to lead you in a different direction and they will be wolves in sheep's clothing. And it's amazing how many times that comes up in the pages of the New Testament, isn't it? Warnings about false teachers, warnings about messages that are going to divert you from the truth about who Jesus is. They'll come and teach things that are contrary to what Jesus has taught, contrary to what the Bible says. And they'll get you to head in their direction because financially they're going to benefit from it or maybe it's just the power that they're looking for, wanting that influence and control over people's lives. And the difficulty with false teachers is that their message is never going to be completely and utterly wrong. There'll be enough truth in there to make it sound believable. There'll be enough truth in there to make it sound acceptable. And these false teachers, they won't appear to be evil people. I mean, if they did, no one would follow them. They'll be, cons- they'll be convincing, persuasive, but they'll be there and you need to watch out for them. And how do you assess them? Well, Jesus says you assess them by their fruit. False teachers are going to come up with a mixture of messages. They're going to come up with these other things that you're going to need as well as faith in Jesus. Faith in Jesus will be great, they'll tell you, but you'll also need to have these experiences or possess these particular gifts or or understand this special teaching. Or there'll be other literature that you'll need to have a look at other than what the scriptures say. Or there'll be a list of rules that you'll need to obey along with what the scriptures say. Or they'll say that you must be a part of their group because their group will be the only one that will be saved. Jesus says that the way you can pick them is because they give you a Jesus plus message. Wolves in sheep's clothing. It's sad, but you need to weigh up the people that you're listening to, the teaching that you're hearing, and that includes mine. There are plenty of delightful people out there who are wolves in sheep's clothing. False teachers can be convincing, but ultimately you're going to be able to tell what they're like because of the fruit in their own lives. Look at the life of that person. Do they back up what it is that they're teaching? Are they living what they're saying you ought to live? What does their life look like? Or are they only there for money and power? Have a look at verse 21. Jesus takes a bit of a break from what he's saying, but it kind of fits in with what he's saying at the same time. I remember a friend of mine saying he thought that these were actually the most frightening verses in the whole of the Bible. This is what Jesus says. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only those who do the will of my Father who is in heaven. 
Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not drive out demons and perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. It is a frightening thought that there'll be people who will stand before Jesus on the last day and Jesus will say, I'm sorry, I never knew you. They prophesied in Jesus' name, they drove out demons in Jesus' name, they did miracles in Jesus' name, but the fact is they'll be turned away and why will they be turned away? Well, it's right there in what Jesus says to them. I never knew you. Sure, they may have been good, they may have even been religious people, good church-going folk, done plenty of good things, they were on plenty of rosters, but the fact is, they never knew Jesus, and Jesus never knew them. Now, don't misunderstand what Jesus is saying here. He's not saying that there's some extra tricky little thing that you need to do. He's not saying that there's some trick to entering into the kingdom that these sad people didn't really figure out. What he's saying is that they've actually missed the most basic element of the Christian life, the thing that stands at the very heart of the Christian life. They didn't know Jesus. When Jesus prays in John chapter 17, he says, now this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Jesus says that eternal life, the Christian life, is about knowing God and knowing Jesus. In John's Gospel, uh, some of the religious leaders come to Jesus to talk about doing the works of God and they asked him, what must we do to do the works that God requires? And Jesus answered, the work of God is this, believe in the one he has sent. What have you got to do to do the work that God wants you to do? You've got to put your trust in Jesus. You've got to know him. And even that best known Bible verse says the same thing. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Did you see? It doesn't say God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever tries really hard or gets onto lots of rosters will have eternal life. What counts is believing in Jesus. What counts is knowing Jesus. What counts is that personal relationship with God, a trust and dependence upon Jesus. Well, Jesus closes this Sermon on the Mount with the most graphic illustration and one that we can easily understand. Verse 24. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundations on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built on his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against the house and it fell with a great crash. One house built on a solid foundation, the other one built on sand. Not sure if you remember this story, it was in the news, it sort of made the first story on the news I think when it was around. Uh, An apartment block in China, uh, they hadn't quite finished building it yet and it just 
collapsed. Uh, it's pretty obvious to see why this thing just collapsed. It had no foundations. Uh, thankfully, there was only the one person killed. The people hadn't occupied these apartments yet. You'd feel a little nervous about moving into one of the other apartment blocks that's still standing, wouldn't you? You'd think you might be wanting your deposit back on that one, I would, well, I would think. But Jesus says there are two houses. I'm sure if you'd seen them the day before the storm, you probably wouldn't have picked too much difference between them. But when the storm came, well, the difference became painfully clear. One was built on a foundation and the other wasn't. And Jesus isn't talking about buildings or construction methods. He's talking about your life and mine and whether or not we're going to build it on his words. If you've got your Bible there, go go right down to the very end, the last two verses in the Sermon on the Mount. It says that the people were amazed by the power and the authority with which Jesus spoke. They walked away astounded by what they had heard Jesus say. And they've gone away with a clear knowledge that there's a choice to be made. No one's walking away from here that day No one's walking away from listening to the things that Jesus has just said and said, well, wasn't that lovely? There's a couple of things in there we'd be able to take on, aren't there? I mean, you're not going to get that impression at all from what Jesus has said. You will know that there is a radical choice that has to be made. And it's the same choice that has to be made today. The question is not, am I good enough to enter into the kingdom? Because you aren't. And the question is not, Can I work hard enough to please God? Because you can't. And the question is not, have I got the strength to do all of these things? Because you don't. The question is, do you trust Jesus? Do you know him? Do you have that relationship with him? If you do trust Jesus, then the next question is, are you building your life on his words? Is the choice going to be easy? Well, Jesus says, no, it's not. Is following Jesus always going to be the easy option in my life? No, it will not. But we're talking about the difference between eternal life and destruction. There are only two kinds of people in the world. Those on the narrow road and those on the wide road. Those who know Jesus and those who don't. If you're here today and you think you might still be one of those people on the wide road, then can I ask, are you sure that's where you want to be heading? Or are you taking it because you think it will just be the easiest one to travel for now? Jesus promises life, eternal life, for those who know him and believe in him. If you're here as someone who knows that you're on that wide road, then Jesus says it's time to change roads. Don't wait any longer. Choose life and choose now. And to those who are on the, na- on the narrow road already, do you realise the radical choice that you've made? I mean, we often try and water it down. Jesus says it's one road or the other and we always think we might be able to make one down the middle somewhere that kind of has the best of both worlds. Or we try to switch roads depending on who's around. 
If you have placed your trust in Jesus as Lord and Saviour, if you know him personally and he knows you, then it's a radical choice that you've made. It's the right choice and it's a wonderful choice. Jesus says that you're headed for life. Jesus says that you have treasure in heaven. Jesus says that you're part of his kingdom. It may be a narrow road, but it's plenty wide enough to travel along. It may be the road that the least number of people are travelling, but you won't be alone. In fact, you're sitting in a room full of fellow travellers here today. And we're here to encourage each other in that journey as we travel that road. To encourage each other to continue to build our lives on the words of Jesus.